Thanks for joining us online today. If you'd like to join the conversation, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope that you'll enjoy this message. here and 14 years ago my wife Sarah and I started Next Level Church so uh, uh, I'm really glad to be here so my family and I have been uh, away for the last couple weeks enjoying some uh, early summer vacation and just getting away and just uh, man but there's it's fun to get away but it's fun to get back isn't that true and so uh, man I just love coming back to a church and a team and staff that, that just I love being around and one of the traditions uh, that we have in our family it actually goes back 30 years is uh, over Memorial Day weekend, we have uh, tickets to the Indianapolis 500. And so uh, for this is our 30th year that my dad and I, ever since I was in fifth grade, my dad and I have been every single year for 30 years to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Memorial Day weekend. I think we have a picture of that. Uh, my family and I seen it on the racetrack, uh, race day morning. So, so, so cool. So many traditions that surround that. It's fun to take my wife now and my two boys. It's just, it's just an incredible, incredible family tradition and just experience experience with my kids. Well, one of the traditions uh, is all the way down to the stuff we eat. And so the night before the race, we always stop at a subway and we always get, you know, sub sandwiches and put them in the cooler. And we always buy Twizzlers and Oreos and all that. So we were actually in the hotel room uh, on Saturday night getting ready. And I was packing the backpack that we take all the food in. And so my dad had been to the store earlier that week. And he had gotten all this stuff. We get peanut M&Ms. We get Twizzlers. It's a healthy thing. You know, it's really, it's, it's very, very healthy. Uh, Pringles, chips. And so we get Oreos. And so I'm packing all this stuff in the backpack. And it's getting late, you know, and my kids are over there and whatever. And dad's packing the cooler. And I'm packing. And all of a sudden, I pull out the Oreos that dad bought for the race for the next morning. And I pull them out. And they're the Oreo Thins. I know. Like, has anybody seen these? Like, what, what are you thinking? Like, what? And so I go, Dad. What is this? <laughs> Oreo thins? He's like, yeah, you know, I saw him. Of course, he instantly knows he's in trouble. Like, inst like instantly knows. Like, he just knows. Like, come on. 30 years, Dad. You got Oreo thins? And he goes, well, you know, I just saw him, and I thought they were interesting. Whatever. Okay. From the cheap seats, like from out of nowhere, my teenage son, Will, my oldest, from the, from the cheap seats, he goes, Papa, which is what they call my dad, Papa, in a world where bigger is better, you went smaller. <laughs> and we just lost it. Like, there's your laugh out loud moment, right? It was the quote of the week. So all week long, we're like, Papa, in a world where bigger is better, you went smaller. Unbelievable. Well, this is part two of our Laugh Out Loud series. And throughout the month of June here, we're talking about this idea of joy. 
We're talking about joy. And last week, Pastor Kyle kicked off the series. Such an incredible word. So much response from so many of you of how God just really stirred up your heart around this idea of choosing joy. Well, this weekend, I want to draw our attention to a weird passage of Scripture. Anybody up for that? Like a strange passage of Scripture. And I want to show you this passage because uh, at first glance, you may not notice it. But but there's a, there's an interesting passage of Scripture that, that when you first read it, it almost looks like a contradiction in the Bible. So if you have your Bible, if you have a smartphone, turn with me or click with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, because the Apostle Paul is writing to a local church like ours in the city of Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. It's the second letter that he wrote to the church of Corinthians recorded in Scripture. And in chapter 9, he's, he's talking about this idea of joy. Look at verse 7. Here's what it says. It's on the screen. Each of you, Paul writes, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So he's talking about receiving an offering. He's talking about giving to a need in another local church in another city. And he challenges the Corinthian church. He says, hey, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to give to this need. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for, look at this part right here, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, that word cheerful there, when you go back to the original language this was written in, which is Greek, is the word hilaros, H-I-L-A-R-O-S, which is the word you and I get in English, hilarious. So watch this. Paul is writing to a local church like ours, to believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, just like you and I. And he's writing to them and he says, hey, thank you for being hilarious, joyful, joy-filled givers. Does anybody else see the contradiction there? Like, right, like, like okay, I don't know about you, but, but like our world, our culture today, Hardly ever, let me go so far as to say, never puts the word hilarious or joy with give. Never. We live in a world where joy and giving are, do, not, do not go together. They do not commingle. They do not coexist. Joy and giving never go together. And yet, here it is in the Bible. Paul's writing to believers like you and I. And he says, it is possible, as a matter of fact, God actually loves it, not likes it, not prefers it, like I prefer double stuff Oreos to thin. Okay, not that. No, 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 no. God loves a joy-filled giver. What did the Corinthian church understand? That apparently our culture and our world today, and perhaps many of us listening this weekend, don't understand. That somehow they were able to find joy and giving in the same sentence. Well, that's what I want to talk about. When you come into your service this week and you're handed a bulletin, reach down, pull that out. Because inside of there is a slip of paper with four statements, four truths as a matter of fact, that the Corinthian church understood about generosity that God wants every single one of us listening this weekend to understand as well. Four truths about generosity the Corinthian church understood that God wants us to understand as well. Starting in verse 10, let's pick up, the, pick up the verse right there. Here's what it says. Paul's continuing this train of thought. He says, because now he, speaking of God, who supplies seed to the sower 
And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Here's the first truth hidden inside of these next few verses that the Apostle Paul wanted the Corinthian church to understand and he, that God wants us to understand as well. Number one is this. They understood that it was God who supplied what they had. They understood that it was God who supplied what they have. See, our world tells us that we are the master of our destiny. Our world tells us that we're the one that creates and generates what we have. We live in a world that says it is our work, it is our efforts, it is our ideas, it's our charisma, it's our sales ability, it's our strength, it's our work ethic that provi provides for our needs. But that's not true. Regardless of what you may have learned in college, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of what the world around us tries to convince us of, that we are the one who provides our needs, the Bible says, no, 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 it is God who supplies. It's God. The Bible says that everything we have comes from God. And maybe you're listening right now and you're thinking, yeah, 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 Matt, but... But it's me, like it's, but I did it, but I'm the one, but it was my idea, but it was my hard work, it was my, my good luck, it was my whatever. Really? Really? You're the source? Let's play that out for a second. If you're the source, then here's my question. How did you get here? No, 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 for real. Like, how did you get to the United States of America? Because the rest of the world lives on less than $2 a day. You're the source? Really? I don't think so. See, here's the thing. Joy and giving go together when we first understand and recognize and acknowledge that all that we have been given is not because of us. It was divine blessing that God allowed us to live in this day and age, to live in this great country that we have, that we take up residence in, it was divine opportunity. We had so very little to do with it. We are not the source. He is the source, Next Level Church. And see, our joy always increases. Joy and giving go together when we recognize that God is our source. Joy in giving begins by that recognition. And here's a little sidebar. Did you notice in the verse what it says? It says that God supplies seed to who? To the sower, right? So watch this. It is God who supplies seed, not to the needy, to the sower, which means two things. Don't miss this, Next Level Church. God's trying to grow us up in our faith this year so we can live it out. That's our theme for 2016. We want to live it out better. Well, guess what? Here's how we live it out. Here's how we live out this joy, laugh out loud, hilarity, and in generosity. Here's how we live it out. Recognizing that God is not good giving seed to the neediest person he can find. He's giving seed to the sowingest person he can find. We are a pass-through, a conduit that God is looking to bless, not so we can keep it all to ourselves, so that it can be passed on through us. God's not looking for the neediest per people to bless. He's looking for the sowing people that he can trust. Can you be trusted? Can we be trusted? We are responsible. Here's what that means. We're responsible to be generous with what we have been given. Why? So that other people can benefit. 
And the church at Corinth understood that. God supplies, he's the one who supplies, and he supplies seed to the sowers. That's us. I want us to be a church that is a sowing church, a generous church, because that's the kind of church God wants to give more seed to. Not for ourselves, for the sake of others. Verse 8, look at verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you, look at this word, need, you will abound in every good work. Number two, write it down. The, the Corinthian church understood the difference between need and want. Notice what scripture says. Church, it doesn't say that God is able to give us all that we want. It says God is able to give us all that we need so that you and I can be about every good work. It doesn't say all we want. It says all we need. And listen, church, come on, let's grow up this weekend a little bit in our understanding of Scripture and applying it to our life. Listen, if we're going to try and live our life chasing after everything we ever want and call that happiness, call that joy, and believe that that's where joy comes from in our life, then guess what? We are going to be the most miserable people on planet Earth. You know why? Because happiness and joy will never be found in having all we want. It's true, isn't it? Think about it. Think about the last time you wanted something so badly and then you got it. I promise you, your joy kind of started high and then eventually it lagged off, didn't it? Why? Because joy, true joy, like Pastor Kyle talked about last week, true scriptural biblical joy doesn't come from what we have or what we want. It comes from God. Joy financially comes from establishing what we need, setting our lifestyle, and then being generous with everything else God gives us. This is such a big deal. I hope we can get this. Let me ask you a question next level. Ready? Do you know the difference between your needs and your wants? Do you? Do we? Do we know the difference between our needs and our wants? Here, let me ask you it another way. Do your kids? That got to rise. <laughs> let me tell you something. I tell a lot of stories on my kids. My kids get this. Sarah and I marvel week in and week out at how our boys understand the difference between need and want. Like it's, it, is the, it is the most satisfying thing ever as a parent to watch our boys, now teenagers, both of them, li living in this world where they're, where they're not chasing wants, but chasing needs. And so I've been reflecting on it. Well, why is that, Matt? Why, does, why is it that, that uh, why are our boys the way they are? Like, are we just blessed? Like, are we just blessed with good boys? Yes. Have we done some things right, I think, so far? I think we have. Let me tell you something that we do every single night every single night in our family that I think helps shape this. 
you guys know that we are a compassion church, that we support Compassion International, a, a worldwide ministry that um, is impacting the lives of millions of children and families across the, the globe. Incredible organization. We had a Compassion uh, Weekend earlier this year and had over 300 children sponsored, monthly sponsorships. Well, our family personally sponsors five Compassion Kids. And every single night before we put our two teenage sons to bed, we stop. And as a family, we pray. We did it on vacation. We do it at home. We do it in the school. We do it if it's one in the morning or we do it if it's nine at night. Whenever, whatever time, whatever, boom, whenever we put, go to bed, we always stop and we pray every single night for Sergio, Nagusu, Stephen, Natalie, and Luana by name. And I'm telling you, I think it's shaping my kids. We had the opportunity a, a year or so ago to take our kids to Guatemala, and we got to, to, they got to meet two of their compassion kids and see the world they live in. And I'm telling you, our family has never bawled our eyes out so much as when we had to say goodbye to those compassion kids. And I walked away from that experience, and I went, my kids are changed forever because of what they've experienced. Because my kids know that, yeah, they've got their video game things and they've got whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but life's not about that. Life's about something greater. We pray every night for our compassion kids. We pray for our downtown communities where we're serving and where we're ministering. And for almost a decade now where our church has been giving and sowing and praying and serving the needs of the lost and the hurting and the broken of our city. We pray for that. We pray for Collide, our student ministry, at Wednesday nights at both of our campuses. We pray as a family for our church. And my kids are growing up understanding that life's not all about them, that the world doesn't revolve all around them. That God's given us what we need so that we can be a blessing to those around us. It's not about us. Just this last weekend, we, Sarah and I, my son was at a summer staff thing, uh, activity, my oldest, and so our, my youngest, Drew, and I went out with Sarah and I. We went out, we ate at PDQ, and then we went to a movie and saw a movie, and like literally, my 13-year-old son turns to us right before the movie starts, and he goes, hey, thanks for dinner tonight, and thanks for bringing me to the movie. Listen, again, I'm not, listen, we are far from perfect, Okay. But I'm just telling you, my kids have an understanding that there's a big difference between need and want. And the world is way bigger than just their wants and their desires. So what about us? Come on, come on, come on. Let me back off of parents for a second. What about us? What if we set our lifestyle at a certain level and then said, you know what? This is all we need. Now, everything God pours into us above that is for generosity's sake. Otherwise, if we, whoa, 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 watch this. If, if we always are just lifting it up, lifting it up, lifting it up, and, and there's never enough, never enough, never enough, what's at the heart of that? Fear. Dave Ramsey himself said, you will, it is impossible to earn enough money in your lifetime to eliminate completely all fear. And guess what the opposite of joy is? One of them is fear. Some of us are being so motivated in our finances by fear that it's almost impossible for us to live in joy. 
You know where joy comes from? Joy comes from understanding that there's a huge difference between need and want. Verse 11, here's the third one. Verse 11, look, you will be enriched, Paul writes, in every way so that, this is so big, you can be generous on every, come on, every campus, every service, say the word every, every occasion. And through us, Paul says, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Number three, write it down. The Corinthian church understood that living within their means allowed them to be generous. The Corinthian church understood that living within their means allowed them to be generous. In other words, listen, Next Level Church, we can't be generous, as Paul writes, on every occasion without margin in our finances. See, because the Corinthian church lived within their means, because the Corinthian church wasn't in a boatload of debt, because the Corinthian church were, were doing what they were doing, managing their personal finances well, Paul write and said, hey, you have the opportunity to be generous every time there is a need. Every time. Can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine what it feels like I love telling our missionaries, when we support a lot of missionaries as a church, listen, several of them, when, whenever I get around our missionaries, one of the things I love telling them is, you don't ask us for money enough. They laugh. We want to be generous every time. Come on. Come on, you guys. What if God would want to bless your life so that you and I could be generous on every occasion? Either God's word is God's word or it's not. What if that's possible? Well, how do we get there? The way we get there is by living with margin. Listen, the average American lives with zero or almost nothing, zero, so little margin that they couldn't be generous if they wanted to, much less every time. Well, guess what, Next Level Church? By the way, I'm about to parich, so here's your warning. I am so tired of the people who call Next Level Church their home living paycheck to paycheck. Come on! We're not playing around. It's not a game. There are needs in our city. There are needs in our community. There's needs in Southwest Florida. There's needs in our world. And God blessed us. He put us in America. The greatest nation on the face of the earth, the most blessed nation to have ever existed on planet earth. We don't live on $2 a day. You know why? Not for us. So it can flow through us. Oh, laugh out loud. We got to get it. And did you notice in the verse... Paul says, so you can be generous on every occasion through us. See, let me tell us again what's going on here. Paul has just been to Jerusalem. And there was this huge need. There was famine-like conditions in Jerusalem. And so the, the big dog leaders in Jerusalem said, Hey, Paul, when you go out traveling on your next missionary journey and visit all these churches, will you take up offerings when you go? Because, because people are starving to death. And Paul's like, yeah, 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 sure, got it. And so he writes a letter ahead of time. And he's like, hey, Corinthians, when I get there, we're going to receive an offering. So you can be generous above and beyond the time. 
And then when he shows up, here's the letter. He says, hey, 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 thank you for giving in this offering. Thank you for being generous above and beyond the needs of the Corinthian church. Because of your generosity, people are thanking God. Because you've given through the local church mechanism. In other words, watch this. This is so you guys have been hearing us talk about this kingdom builders idea, right? We've been talking about it as a church th- for this this whole year. Kingdom builders, a, 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 a one, a, a, an above and beyond fund that God wants every one of us to participate in. Well, that's what Paul's doing, guys. Listen, it's, that's just scriptural. He says, "Hey, there's an opportunity for you to build God's kingdom." By giving above and beyond the local needs of your church. The tithe belongs to the storehouse. That's the first 10%. But then after that, Paul says, be generous above that through us, through the local church. Why? Because then every dollar you give funds kingdom purposes. It's not just humanitarianism. It's not just good works. It's gospel presentation to the ends of the earth. That's what Kingdom Builders is. That's why you hear us talking about this. That's why, that's why every quarter we receive a quarterly Kingdom Builders offering and give you an opportunity to be a part. People, places, partnerships, and projects. The four P's of Kingdom Builders. People, places, partnerships, and projects. The reason why is because it's Scripture. God doesn't want us to just be a tithing church. He wants us to be a generous and extravagantly generous, hilariously generous church. That's just scripture. Verse 12, this service that you perform, giving above and beyond, it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but look at this. It's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. Their giving was their proclamation of the gospel. That's awesome. He continues on. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. He's like, you have no idea how many people your, your generosity is impacting. So good. Number four, write it down. They understood that living responsibly, financially, was actually about others. What did the Corinthian church understand about hilarity and giving, joy and giving? They understood that living responsibly financially was not about them. It was actually about others. But here's the thing. Most of us think our financial decisions are only about us and for us. Let me stop and say that again. Most of us think that our financial decisions are only about us and for us. But can I tell you something? With all due respect, that's not true and that's not biblical. Our personal financial decisions are not just about us and for us. Paul is saying in these verses that other people will actually thank God when we live our financial lives in such a way that God would allow us to be generous. That means every financial decision that we make is about others being impacted with the gospel. So let me play a little counterfactual history about Next Level Church, okay? It was just over 14 years ago that Sarah and I moved from the only home we had ever known in Indiana to Southwest Florida to start Next Level Church. And when we moved here, we had $9,200 to our name. 
that was it. We had raised money, taken some offerings from churches. They had given to us. And when we moved, we had a whopping $9,200 to our name, which is not a lot of money to start a church, by the way. And I had no job. We knew virtually nobody here. And so I went to work for $11 an hour in the back of a jewelry store in Cape Coral. We lived in Cape Coral. I worked for 11 bucks an hour in a jewelry store. Turns out being honest matters in the jewelry business, and I had that going for me. Okay, listen. Sarah was 24. I was 26 when we moved. Thank God that as young 20-somethings, God had given us the wisdom and wherewithal to manage our finances in such a way that when we moved here, we had zero debt. We owed nobody. We had no college debt. We had no any of that. And we were able to move here and actually live and support our family on $11 an hour. Okay? Let me tell you another blessing. A few years previous to that, my parents had purchased a lot in Cape Coral. And when they heard we were moving to Florida, they said, if we build a house, will you live in it until we retire? Sure. And so my mom and dad charged us $500 a month rent to live in their home for five and a half years for the first five and a half years of our church. And then every month they would donate back to Next Level Church $500. Thank God my parents managed their finances in such a way for their entire lives so that when a young couple with a dream in their heart from Indiana moved, they could live rent-free for five and a half years. Do you know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of lives have been impacted over the last 14 years because a young 20-something couple managed their finances well and because my parents managed their finances well? Don't tell me your life has been changed because of that. It matters. It matters. You know what? When I think about the fact that 20 years ago, decisions Sarah and I made are still reaping benefits for God for eternity. 20 years later, you know what that is? Hilarious. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. I want to find it in my notes because i got to get this right. What financial, fin what financial decision will you make today that will still be reaping benefits and harvest 14 years from today? We all have an opportunity. Every day, you and I manage money. Every day, you and I make financial decisions that matter a lot. This isn't a game. This year, my wife and I will give away more money than I earned the first year we moved here. That's hilarious. And guess what? We love it. We love it. She and I have set some audaciously big generosity goals for our life and our family. And our kids know, and my mother-in-law who lives with us knows, and she and I know. You know why? Because it matters. God doesn't want us to just do the minimum. He wants us to establish a lifestyle and then be generous, extravagantly generous. Why? Hilariously generous because joy and giving are connected. 
Our world says joy and getting are connected. God says joy and giving are connected. So what do we do? What's our next step? What's our next step? Here's, I think there's four categories of people in the building today. Ready? Four categories of people. Here you go. What's our next step? The first one are, is a group of people where you need to change your attitude toward joy, God, and money. For, for you, it's an attitude issue. It's a heart issue. Some of us, that's step one. Because some of you are listening to me right now, and you're hearing me say this, and you've never, ever, ever, ever thought about joy and giving like this before. And your step is start trusting God. God, I'm going to change my attitude. God, I'm, I, I recognize that greater joy goes with greater giving. I just believe that that's true. And some of us, it's an attitude thing. Some of us, number two, you need to get a plan to get out of debt. That You heard me talking about needs and being generous on every occasion. And you're like, Matt, I'd love to, man. I wish I could. Okay, listen, at Next Level Church, we don't want to just tell you what to do. We want to help you do it. And so you guys know, if you've been around for any period of time, you know that we're big on this book, The ABCs of Financial Freedom. Listen, these are at all of our cafes and resource centers at both of our campuses this weekend. Get out there. If you've never read this book, I'm telling you, it's 127 pages, big font. As an author, that matters. This book will change your life. This book has changed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of financial futures at Next Level Church in the last two years. I'm just telling you, if, you, if, you don't, if you've never read it, it's six chapters, big commitment. In 30 days, you could read this book, apply the principles to your life, and it would change everything. Some of you, that's your next step. Get a plan to get out of debt so you can be generous on every occasion. Number three, begin to tithe. Some of us need to tithe. When you came into your service today, you were handed, there was, a, there was a, this card on your chair, on your chart. Reach down, pull that out, pull that out. This LOL card. Okay, the top half of this, this is you. Some of you, you've never put God first. And your next step is to choose to begin to tithe. And this is something, there's something powerful about signing our name on the back. There's something powerful about checking a box and saying, God, I'm in. Here at Next Level Church, you hear us talk from time to time about our 90-day tithe challenge. Listen, there's more information there. There's more information on our website. Go there if you need to go to the Next Steps kiosk and talk to somebody about it. Put this in the offering. If that's your next step, if you've never made a decision to give God the first 10% of all your increase, that bonus check, that the, your salary, everything you earn, every week we simply put God first and give Him the first 10%. That's you. That's the top. Fourth, what's your next step? Some of us. You do tithe. That is you. You've got that. That is a discipline. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families who give the tithe faithfully around here at Next Level. But some of us, it's this generosity piece. That's the bottom part. It's making that choice, making that choice, number four, of deciding to be generous. And for us, that's kingdom builders. That's kingdom builders. That's why we have created kingdom builders. Some of you, that's, you need to check that box and say, you know what? I'm going to start giving above and beyond through the church. Why? Because that's where the gospel advances most, most effectively. Through the local church. It, this is God's plan A and there is no plan B. And that's your step. So here's my question. I bet you all of us, I promise you, all of us have a step that God wants us to take this weekend. What's your step? If, if yours is this card, then fill that out. In the minute, they're going to pass the offering buckets. Throw it in the bucket as a sign of commitment, as a crossing of the line in your heart. i got to commit, boom, to tithe. I commit to be generous above and beyond. This, it just it matters. Why? Because joy and giving are linked. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Next Level Church. God, what an awesome church that's doing so much 
to impact our city, our community, our downtown community, other cities like Estero and Benita, Coconut Point, Naples. God, thank you that you're expanding your influence through this great church. And Lord, you're doing that through normal, everyday people just like me and so many others. Lord, thanks, God, that you want to use all of us. Lord, thank you that there is a laugh-out-loud hilarity of joy connected to giving and generosity. Lord, I pray for every person who maybe is hesitant of that, that they would step into it this weekend. This is a breakthrough weekend as we, as we put into place the disciplines scripturally that you've called us as believers and followers of you to have in place in our life. And Lord, when we do, there's joy. There's hilarious joy. God bless your people for their faithfulness in Jesus' name. And everybody in every service who agreed said, If your life has been impacted through this ministry, we would love to hear your story. Send us an email to mystory@nextlevelchurch.com. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. Also, if you want to support what God is doing here, you can do so through our website, nextlevelchurch.com. Your generosity is making an impact here and around the world. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week.